Well, today, listeners, we have a melange um, a of, of people involved with our subject. Um, I'm going to have them identify themselves. I will tell you that the subject that we're going to be talking about is a prize-winning um, mac and cheese um, a cooperation between or collaboration between Cabot Cheese and, and Guinness, you know what. Um, it's it's it, the prize winning when I say that it just won a Sophie for one of these, but we're going to talk about the companies involved in general uh, and the process of collaboration, which is now uh, very common in the specialty food industry. But if I go around about um, guests, uh, identify yourself and uh, your position and your involvement with our subject about this um, uh, collaboration. Adam Farmer. All right, I guess I'll start. Well, pleased to meet everybody. Uh, my name is Adam Farmer. I'm the CEO of the Farmer Companies. Um, been uh, working with Brian and, and Cabot for about two and a half years now. Uh, we created a great new company called Vermont Cheese Products. Um, oh, is that a new uh, company? Okay. okay. Yeah, so they're very simple. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, so so you have another company, but you you formed Vermont Cheese Products as a separate company. Yeah, so uh, okay. it's hard to describe. If we were a person, we could draw it out for you on a whiteboard. How it works, but yeah, Vermont Vermont Cheese, Vermont, Vermont Cheese Products, um, new company we started two and a half years ago. Very simple strategy. Cabot is such an iconic name in the cheese space that we wanted to figure out a platform to springboard it to other products that are made with Cabot cheese. And uh, it's been a wonderful okay. partnership thus far. And, um, you know. Well, that explains a lot to me. That explains a lot about this this product that just won the uh, uh, Sophie Award because I didn't understand the background. So you really helped Adam right right off the bat. Uh, let, let's check in with Brian Littlefield. Okay, my name is Brian Littlefield. I'm the Vice President of Licensing at Cabot Creamery, and um, we've been working, as Adam stated. Um, and for the last two and a half years to help bring, to help expand the, the Cabot name and bring another source of revenue for our 600-plus um, uh, Cabot cooperative farmers. Um, How many? 600-plus? 600-plus um, here in the Northeast in, in, in uh, New York. Um, we're a dairy cooperative, as I stated, and, and you know, working uh, with a collaboration with uh, Adam and uh, Vermont Cheese Products, they've been able to help us use our cheese in ways that um, we're currently not able to develop ourselves, such as the popcorn, um, the mac and cheese, um, and also um, the potato chips, which, just, which have uh, just um, hit the street. So it's been a very good collaboration uh, for us and our farmers, and we're excited um, to be working with Guinness and have our iconic um, award-winning cheese be a part of, uh, of this product. And just, just to, um, you know, not to, to toot... Um, this product's horn too much, but we also just received the People magazine, um, the Guinness Macaroni and Cheese as a Best Pantry Staple Award. I think that was just announced this wow. week. Wow! So we're very we're very excited um, on this collaboration for everybody involved. Now we're missing one person. There's one person yet to go. Amber. Hello, go everyone. Amber. I'm Amber. Amber Sheridan. Amber Sheridan, I am the Director of Corporate Communications for Cabot Creamery, and I collaborate with Brian on telling the story of some of these unique relationships that we have, like the licensing opportunity with uh, VCPI and the farmer companies. And of course, we're very excited about the success of this Guinness Mac and Cheese. I know a lot of our farmers are very excited about it, our chairman of the board, Cricket Jackier is a huge fan of it, and uh, my family as well is a huge fan of this product. It's a great collaboration and mixing of two brands. So we're very excited to talk to you today about it. Well, we just treated our, ourselves and our family um, to the, yeah, the, the new product. 
the mac and cheese. And they walked off with some of the popcorn as well and some potato chips. <laughs> and I, 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 ate, I ate the bag of potato chips last night while I was watching television. Oh, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> that's, 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 why there isn't, that's why there isn't any. No, he's, he's curious. <laughs> there isn't anyone with the last name Guinness on, on this particular call. What did you do? Did you slay all the Guinnesses? Uh, Adam, I'll leave that to you to answer. <laughs> uh, Declan, we, we can introduce you to to Declan at some point. Um, you know, really, you know, I'd like he's not on the call. I'll give a big thank you to him. Um, Declan hands handles the licensing for uh, Guinness. Uh, he, he's enjoying himself in Italy right now. He's actually on vacation, but um, you know, nice. He uh, he's been a great partner to work with. Um, and uh you know wait you know w- you know once he's back uh you know maybe we can set something up you know if he's available okay um that everybody in the specialty food industry it seems is turning to collaborations between brands what what is that about um if if I may speak to this uh, i um this is uh, it's a great are. way uh, Brian, I'm sorry. This is Brian okay. Cabot. Um, it's a great way to partner with somebody who has some capabilities that we currently do not. Um, you know, as you know, we're concentrating on getting our award-winning uh, Cabot cheese um, throughout the country and throughout the Northeast and Southeast. And you know, that's our that's our main focus. And by by collaborating with with people like Adam at VCPI, you know, they can, they, can, they can shoulder some of the work of um, developing these products and um, using our award-winning cheese and getting them out uh, into the market. Now, I mean, I think from our experience, Vermont itself is like cheese paradise. Yes, it is. That's right. Now, now there's, been, there's been some discussion as we were having lunch today. There was some discussion about who actually introduced mac and cheese to these United States, and uh, we we thought we had heard somewhere that it was Thomas Jefferson, or Thomas Jefferson's cook, or something like that. And our our granddaughter Kate said, "No, that wasn't true. It was somebody, some other deal." But 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 I let's believe I it. De- that sounds like a good. That sounds like a cooler story. <laughs> but I, have, I, I have it brought deal, over. I, it was brought over by the George Washington. <laughs> the. Uh, no, hold on. I have, I, I have I, I've heard a few different stories about where it's come from too, as well. I, I, I have a deal for you, something you could could not possibly know. But, but in the year of our Lord in England in 1963, Dermot Guinness graduated from the University of Cambridge with a degree. I can't remember what it was. And Peter Haig did exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. His master's job, his master's degree was in geography, and uh, so that's so. There's a fascinating Guinness connection right there. Now, once when you go to Dublin, Ireland, there are even more stories about the Guinness family. The one, the one I like the best. Oh, I've I've told people here, like when you go to Dublin, I mean, you know, I, you I have to go. Talk you have to go about, there. You know, what do you guys? Um, you're talking so, so, over each other. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I um, mean you go ahead. I guess, you know, kind of t- t- talking. You know, why? You know, we we wanted a partner with Guinness. Um, you know, it, it's really for a couple of reasons. One, you know, when it comes to cooking and especially a beer cheese, you know, no, you know, beer cheese is a thing. It, you know, in the Northeast here, you know, you go into any pub, there's beer cheese pretzels. You know, you have different types of, you know, fondue, you know, where it's like a white wine and a cheese where you dip bread into it. And no one has really created a CPG product, you know, that has a, you know, a, a high quality, you know, all, you know, beer cheese flavor in it. And, you know, so when we were looking at different brands that we wanted to partner with, um, I mean, Guinness, you know, for, for you know, if you just think about the quality, you know, if you look at a brand that has an international presence, Guinness is, is arguably the, the highest quality, you know, that is in that international tier. It's also, 
you know, got a, a thicker body, you know, it's more, uh, you know, I, I think when you're thinking of cooking, Guinness, you know, carries over better than, let's say, you know, some of these, you know, light lagers that you have in, in the U.S. Oh. And so if you just think of terms of the brand presence and the, the, the flavor notes, that's part of why we wanted to, to work with Guinness. Um, and then th- lastly, it's, it's the yummy, yummy, yummy Guinness. Yeah, I mean, I cook exactly. with Guinness whenever I can. It's great with braises and stews and, um, and roasts. And, and, and Peter and I courted on drinking what it was it called? It's called a, a black velvet. Black velvet, which is Guinness and champagne. Ooh, and, and, that sounds and good. And that's, so that's romantic for me too. On your first date, you got you were drinking Guinness and, and, and no, but what's many, it called? The black sub- velvet. Many subsequent ones we did. <laughs> we drank a lot. <laughs> we drank a lot of Guinness with some champagne. Yes, that was a go-to. I've never tried um, that, Brian. Next time we we, we oh, you've we're, never we're had it. We're, we're grabbing dinner. We'll we'll, oh. we'll have to order a black velvet. Oh, for it's sure. wonderful. Yeah, sure. Oh, it's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, how who were you looking for in terms of a collaboration? It, it's um, it's sketchy in my head how a company with this high profile as Cabot Cheese, would start looking around for, for um, other companies to collaborate with. How did that work? Well, uh, this is Brian. I'll, I'll start that. Actually, um, Adam came to us. Um, you know, we were very, uh, you know, licensing is, is a new um, uh, foray uh, with us. And um, Adam came with a great plan and, and you know, um, we put many stringent <laughs> quality control standards that we use for ourselves, and, and Adam was very, you know, he just wanted a high-quality product as well, and I think the collaboration of um, using the iconic uh, Cabot cheese brand and uh, with Adam's um, know-how and, uh, and go get them um, was able to put a very, co- very high-quality product, as we can see by winning these awards so early into uh, so early into uh, this product has only been out for a year or so, and it's already won these two major awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won the Sophie Award. Which one did you win? The new product in um, the People magazine. Uh, we just, I think it just came out this week. The uh, Best Pantry Staple Award um, for the Guinness Mac and Cheese. Well, you know, it's, I mean, I have it. It's my pantry staple now. I mean, it's really yummy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy to do. I mean, it's convenience, which is another current trend. This has been a trend for a while, actually, convenience of cooking and food prep. Um, but uh, so did you have any idea where you were going to go with this? You had so we cheese, actually have three other flavors had, of of Guinness, we have three other flavors of Guinness mac and cheese that are going to be coming out here in the next couple months as well, which is exciting. So we're going to have a whole line of Guinness ones. So oh, we really? have the original one. I have. So you, we had yeah, that. And, uh, so there's the original one, and then we have a then caramelized have onion. onion. That was wonderful. We have that. A, a black truffle. Ooh. Oh, we didn't get any of that. <laughs> We didn't get any black truffle. <laughs> You're holding that, holding back on that one. <laughs> Where do you What's get your really truffles from? About those, so, so uh, we we do source everything. You know, we, you know where you know the highest you know to, to the highest standards we can because we got you know if you look at our pasta we you know we're uh, you know we use organic pasta that's certified organic by Oregon Tilt. Um, you know, and so everything that goes into into our products, you know, has to be able to comply with the with what we're putting on the packaging. Um, and so the reason we went into you know those flavor profiles is if you think about Guinness as a brand, it's very bold. You know, the packaging is obviously dark. You know, you know, um, which I actually yeah. learned at the Guinness factory, which you you guys are probably aware of. This Guinness isn't black; it's actually a very dark red. 
um, which is kind of my interesting fact that I bring out when, when people come into our office now. Um, but, you know, so a flavor like a black truffle or a caramelized onion, you know, I think that really aligns with the Guinness brand and being able to make it with Cabot cheese. I mean, we buy, we buy our cheese right from Brian. You know, we, we get it right from Brian. We convert it to, a, to, a, to a, you know, an ingredient for the mac and cheese. And it, it's just such a perfect pairing. I mean, um, you know, not even just the beer and the cheese, but also like the two different, you know, heritages really. You know, you have Ireland and, you know, also Cabot, you know, this, you know, farmer owned in the Northeast where ironically there's also a huge Irish population as well. And it's just, it's just two great story brands that are both, you know, Guinness is a couple, few hundred years old. Cabot's over a hundred years old, like coming together to build this like unique product that people have had beer cheese, but not like this before. So, you know, it's been a really exciting uh, collaboration for sure. Well, that leads me to Amber. Amber, I bet you're not having a lot of problems trying to, to communicate the quality of this new product. No, we're not. We're really excited about it, and I think some of the recent publicity and these awards are really going to give it um, some additional legs and exposure um, as Adam is, is getting ready to launch these additional flavors. So we're really excited about it. Our farmers are proud of it. I know they, they buy it and clear the shelves when they can, and um, are just really excited to spread the news about this great product. Now, right. who's, actually, who's actually making it? I mean, we've got, we've got. So it's everything, everything's made with Cabot cheese. Um, uh-huh. You know, so we buy it from Brian. You know, we make sure, you know, we, all of the cheese we get is, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, it's all over 12 months, right? We're getting the extra sharp cheese from you. Um, yes. Yes, it's approximately uh, yeah. nine, nine to uh, twelve plus months old. Yeah, some of the actually some of the the cheeses. Yeah, the nine months because uh, it, it the the younger the cheeses, the the softer it is. So you need a little bit of mix of younger cheese in there to get it that creamy texture. And then so we buy the cheese from Brian, and then we have a uh, our uh, manufacturing partners out. Uh, they're actually in the Midwest because they're they're. Uh, you know, they make their own pasta, and that's where all the gra- the organic grain oh, okay. is. And then, so we, we, we convert the cheese and then ship it to them. Who who makes it, the pasta? So it, it comes from different farmers out in North Dakota. Okay. Can't get much further <laughs> than that. Have you There's been to North Dakota? There's not a lot of wheat that's grown in the Northeast. Um, <laughs> I have not been out to North Dakota yet. Oh, uh, just wait. <laughs> I used to have a radio show I've gotten, called I've the, gotten Din- the invite. I, I used to have a radio show called The Dinner Hour, uh, and uh, people would call in and ask for restaurant recommendations. And the, the one that stru- absolutely stuck me, <laughs> Stone Cold, where somebody called it was on a business trip to uh, um, the, the, uh, South Dakota, or North Dakota, rather. And, and I couldn't think of a single restaurant to recommend. <laughs> so, There's got to be some good steakhouses out there. Yeah, I guess so. There should be. Um, now, you referenced a bunch of other products. Now, are we separating out now? You have your collaboration with Guinness, but then you have we have the popcorn, and we had the uh, potato chips. Tell us, are these collaborations or are these just straightforward Cabot cheese? So those are just Cabot. Th- th- those are those are all made with with the Cabot brand. Um, uh-huh. You know the potato chips we. And, and Brian, feel free to chime in, you know, on, on any of this as well. The, you know, Cabot is also makes award-winning sour cream dips. Um, have you ever had Cabot French onion dip? Yeah, because we, we, a couple of years ago, we actually interviewed a spokesperson for Cabot. So, so, we, so we, we, we cheated. We knew quite a lot more about Cabot <laughs> than we did about Guinness. <laughs> Yeah, but I think we've interviewed. That's really 
regarding the potato chips, I mean, that's the hero item. It's not the potato chips. It's we're really trying to highlight the Cabot sour, the dips. You know, Cabot's been making go, go these for Brian. How long have you been making the dips for now? Oh, I think we've been making cold at least a uh, hundred years, close to a hundred years, if not a uh, hundred. Mm-hmm. No, hundred years. What is, and, you know, yes. Well, um, and, they, and people just needed something to you know to have a Cabot chip that you can dip in the Cabot dip. I mean. You know, we think that's the greatest, uh, you know, co- you know, pairing, you know, there is. Yeah, I didn't realize that Cabot was that old. Yes, it started um, 1919. in uh, 1919 19, 19 in Cabot, Vermont. And what did it, oh, it's Cabot, of course, Cabot, Vermont. Now, but tell me, I mean, what did they start out making? Um, they started out making cheese. Um, you know, and it was a bunch of dairy, uh, a few, oh, Amber, do you want to, do you want to, uh, handle that one? Yeah, actually, I'll jump in here. They actually started making butter, um, and they made butter to serve the New York City, Boston, um, areas, and eventually that, uh, transitioned over to making cheese and other dairy products. So there's a really strong tradition of, uh, in, in Vermont of making dairy products and in particular cheese. And uh, the Cabot brand really started to grow in starting in the late, um, I want to say 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they actually had a, a different brand name, but Cabot is the brand name. And in particular, our Hunter's Sharp Cheddar Cheese, which um, is now more of a, a, you know, we talk about our Vermont Seriously Sharp Cheese. So we've got a great um, history of making high-quality cheeses here in Vermont. And um, again, we've been farmer owned since 1919. It was a group of farmers that came together to, they knew that they could market products better together when they worked together. So that's really where the Cabot brand started and the Cabot Creamery Cooperative got its start. So, I mean, you interact all of you, how do you interface with the Vermont Cheese Company? So we have a licensing agreement with the Vermont Cheese Products uh, Inc., which is Adams Group, and that licensing agreement was uh, initiated what two, three years ago, Adam? Yeah, two, two years, four months. And what does the license licensing agreement say is supposed to happen? And and. You know, and, and when I and when we're talking to other people about the license, we like to say we're more than a license because if you look at normal licensing deals, it's pretty much the brand name, and you know that's it. But what we incorporated it into our agreement was, you know, where we're, we're actually making our products with Cabot cheese, um, which which is unique. You know, you'd think you know in the licensing space that that's standard, but it, it's not. And so we, you know, we, we really focused on R&D and how, you know, and how we can take, you know, the, you know, the raw cheese from, from Brian and his team and Amber's team and then make it into a, into a, a powder um, and also a liquid and in and, and other forms that we can use for our ingredients. And so, really? you know, we, 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 we like to, we like to, you know, you know, we're really proud of the fact that we're able to do it with Cabot cheese because if you look at our competitors in the marketplace, a lot, you know, and I, I'm not trying to talk down on any of our competing brands, but a lot of it's not even really cheese. You know, they're, you know, you look at some of this other stuff in the snack industry. Um, it's, uh, well, they, it's Yeah, there are a lot of brands nope. that are not real. There, there, there are a lot of yeah. brands, but I call them the Twinkies of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no real, there's no real food there. The yeah, what? I would like to just, I would like to just add in also that it's really important for our farmers to see their cheese in new and exciting ways that Adam and his company is able to take it to, um, in ways that we can't do ourselves with our own cheese plants. And it's super exciting to see their product and to know that that those products are made with their cheese. I think there's a lot of pride and love uh, that goes into that, and one of the reasons that makes this collaboration with Adam and BCPI so special. No, I mean, aren't there other dairy cooperatives 
in um, Vermont. Um, I remember yeah, way I, back I know when. You, but yeah, Allison yeah, Hooper. Know more about the ins and outs. Well, Allison Hooper um, was addressing this when she founded the American Cheese Society. And we've seen them at shows, and there seems to be an awful lot of um, cooperatives in, in this, this space. I wondered how that worked. Well, I know there's a lot. This is there Brian. I know there's a lot of companies. Oh, go ahead, Amber, if you want to answer that. I'll, I'll let you go, Brian, and then I'll chime in afterwards. Okay. There's a lot. I'm not sure how many cooperatives there are here, but there are a lot of smaller cheese makers. Um, in the state, some boutique cheesemakers that we work with also, um, you know, as fellow Vermonters and, uh, and, and fellow far- farmers and, and, um, to work with um, to help develop their products as well. But, um, you know, one thing, we really, one thing we really appreciated about Adam and uh, Vermont Cheese Products, Inc., is their dedication. They have the same dedication to quality um, and the high standards that we do. All, all these products are manufactured under... Um, under uh, the same quality standards that we use, and all the, they're all approved, uh, fully approved and, and vetted um, vendors, so we know we're getting the highest, uh, the highest quality products. Yeah. And, and the, the, the wonderful dark-colored Guinness originates in Boston, Massachusetts, in Boston, Massachusetts. And was uh, no, where, I beg your pardon. It was Dublin. It was Dublin. I'm getting it messed up. It was in Dublin, yeah. Ireland, and I believe it was Arthur Guinness was the name of the founder of the company, and he signed a lease on some property in Dublin. And how many years do you think he had for the term of the lease? It was like nine thousand years. I I actually learned this at the Guinness tour. There you go. He went, he went, he went there on the bus and yeah. you found the answer, right? Yeah. I was surprised at that. Too. Yeah. Imagine, imagine uh, try, signing a 9,000 lease, uh, you know, 2023. But do, do, you, do you remember what the, what the annual rental was? It was really low. What was it, a couple bucks? <laughs> I think it was a pound. A pound. Yeah. <laughs> a couple bucks. A penny a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, gang, let, let's. I'm assuming that since you're developing this whole line of products, and and so far you've been winning awards right after left, that you probably have a pretty large market and distribution effort. Uh, after we've convinced everybody to try this, and you you can do it a number of ways. Prepping it, by the way, listeners, you can. Uh, add water and boil. You can microwave um, according to directions on the uh, the box, on the packaging. Um, but, but tell me the best way that people interested in sampling this or, or, or including it in their pantry uh, list, how is best to lay hands on um, – you could do Vermont – I mean, you can do um, uh, Cabot products in general, but I'd like if you could focus on the, this award-winning collaboration between Cabot and uh, Guinness. So, so are you asking where they can buy it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, can they order it online? Do they have to find you a store finder? What do you, how do you get this to eat? Uh, online, we're in a couple. We're on DakinFarm.com. We're also uh, Amber. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're we're selling it through the Cabot website, correct? That's correct. Correct, Adam. On the Cabot Cheese or CabotCreamery.com, there is a shop uh, online, and so it's accessible there as well. Great. You can yeah, get so a four, have, uh, You can get a four yeah. pack. Do you have a store finder in case people want to go buy it in a store? So in the stores, there it's available. So we're in a we ha, we did a launch for St. Patrick's Day, which is another great thing about this product is that it allows us to create uh, excitement in mac and cheese at a time when no one else is really doing anything for mac and cheese. So you know St. Patrick's Day, you know connecting that with Guinness is obviously a, a big time of the year for us. 
um, as well as uh, Oktoberfest and you know other times where where people are 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 uh, drinking Guinness and eating cheese. Um, but so in regards to stores, uh, we're in Kroger, we're in uh, um, Price Chopper, and we're about to be in Food Lion. I'm trying to think who had. We're just barely starting to get it into the retail stores okay. as an everyday item now. So the, be- the best thing right now is to go online, and, and you have it available online, e-market? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely the, definitely okay. the easiest. By the okay. end of this and, year, it'll be in a lot, a lot more widespread distribution. Okay, well, right now, what, what is the best URL for your website? So, Amber, what, it was Cabot Co-op. I think going through the Cabot, Cabot website is definitely be, the best way. Yes, and if you go to CabotCreamery.com and click on Shop, and it's there under uh, the various products that we've got on there. In particular, we have a bundle, a four-pack bundle of it, of the Guinness Mac and Cheese. Great. Well, it's a wonderful product, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to talk to you guys about it because you're all so excited, <laughs> and that makes us all excited too. <laughs> um, and and I, I'm, keep us posted on all these other products you're going to bring to this product line. Uh, it sounds like it's a very exciting time at uh, Cabot and, and this collaboration between Vermont Cheese Products and Cabot and, and who else is involved. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, Amber. And thank you for the, for the, the opportunity to um, be able to bring this um, to people's attention um, with this great product. Thank you. I'm so, I just missed. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Okay, well, well the, this is really interesting. Um, we're going to talk to Greg Huzinski. Um, who is the corporate chef uh, for the Coast Packing Company. Um, I guess the, we're going to be talking about a survey that, that the New Coast uh, Packing has done. New, is it New Coast Packing or just Coast Packing? Uh, it's just Coast Packing Company. Coast Packing, okay. Um, it's Coast Packing Company, and um, it, it's... It's not an uninterested um, sidebar here that, that coast packing supplies animal fats to large segments of, of the food industry, right? Uh, yes, yeah. We, um, we sell animal fats to, you know, all different kind of markets and, and restaurants um, within the food space. Just... To clarify, let's start out. Two things to clarify. Uh, one is, you know, who, what is coast packing? Uh, who do they supply fats to? And what are the fats we're talking about when we say animal fats? Go. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, so Coast Packing, um, it's a family-owned and operated company, um, four generations and uh, over 101 years. So we've been around for quite a long time. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so we, we've been around for a long time, and we, um, you know, we deal with fats and oils, but our kind of primary focus, our kind of bread and butter, um, you could say, would be um, pork lard and beef tallow. Um, so those are kind of the two two fats that we focus on the most are tallow and lard. Of course, tallow um, being the rendered fat from beef and um, lard being, you know, rendered fat from pork. Um, so that's pretty much what we do. Um, you know, for, you know, as of right now, our main focus is more into the food service space. 
So, you know, we sell, you know, larger volumes, larger quantities. So, you know, we're, we're distributing more to, um, you know, restaurants and, you know, large markets and things of that nature um, as well. But the results actually mean a, can mean a, a lot of things to a, a much broader, broader audience, I think, because there's always this debate ever since there was that funny period where fats were banned from everybody's food intake, if you remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But um, so define fats, animal fats, where do they come from? And also, um, what what's led up to this survey? It's, it's the last in a whole line of surveys, right? Yeah, latest, yeah. So we've been, yeah, we've been doing these surveys, surveys for um, quite a while now. Um, and um, I think we've done about five or six of these at least. So, you know, the survey, you know, kind of gears towards finding out, you know, what people's perception of animal fats is, um, kind of watching how that changes over time and, you know, kind of which populations of, of you know, people are kind of more accepting um, than others, whether it be by, uh, you know, uh, gender, or whether it be by age group, or people that maybe are, you know, parents. So you know, there's different categories that we kind of look at to find out, um, you know, essentially, you know, who, you know, w- where people's thoughts lie um, in in the use of of animal fats and their kind of comfort zone. Okay, um, I re- I remember um, just off the top of my head. Um, when I was first in, in England with Peter's family, um, I had made a special pie and pie crust that my mother-in-law enjoyed a great deal. And she wanted me to replicate it when I was there in the UK. Mm-hmm. And um, But she presented me with lard, and I didn't know how to use lard. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it really has special characteristics. That, who all did you distribute the survey to, and how many? You know, um, I believe we distributed the, the um, survey to about um, a thousand people. Um, you know, mostly I think across kind of like the Western United States. Okay, and and that was that's a good survey. Yeah. I, I think, okay. you know, when we do it, we try to make sure that the surveys are, you know, consistent. Uh-huh. And um, it, you were not surprised with the results. The results, result you summed up is as fat means flavor. Can you explain that? <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely does mean flavor amongst, uh, amongst other things. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, one thing we've noticed over the course of doing these surveys is, you know, um, you know, people kind of continue, you know, each time you become, you know, more and more, com- you know, not just comfortable, but we find out that more and more, you know, consumers are actually using animal fat. And that could be for, you know, various reasons, whether it be, you know, nutritional or whether it be just the fact that there are a lot less processed than a lot of other fats out there. Um, but there's oh, you know, that's undoubtedly, yeah, that's un- undoubtedly, really but undoubtedly, you know, they also, you know, do, you know, taste better and, and they do perform better. And um, I feel like when you referred earlier to, you know, this recipe that you were talking about and she gave you lard, you know, a lot of our, you know, favorite recipes that we grew up on that were our parents or great grandparents that were passed yeah. down from generation to generation, you know, animal fats are what we used for, you know, you know, pretty much all of human existence up until about 100 years ago. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it's not uncommon and it's definitely more common in you know, probably certain parts of, of the world and, you know, even certain parts of the country um, that you, you know, that you'll find, you know, some places use it more than others. But it's definitely, you know, um, continuing to gain momentum and popularity again. What is or has been the displacement? What? What's been displacing animal fats? Um, well, people I, people feel they're not good for you, or what, what, what's what's the deal? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think obviously, you know, when you're talking about fats in general, I mean, there's all, always, you know, moderation that you have to kind of keep in mind, right? Um, but for a long time, I think there was a lot of kind of demonization of animal fat um, because, uh, you know, they're, you know, tend to be higher in saturated fat. Um, you know, for a, a, a long time, it, you know, um, you know, there, there's been a lot of marketing campaigns that have told you, you know, in fact, there was one that lasted, you know, decades where we were told to eat, um, you know, artificial trans fats, and that was all that, you know, high... Yeah, and then they found out it was a killer. Mar ...margarines, and, you know, we were, you know, kind of, you know, told, you know, our whole lives that, you know, you should be eating this and, and not that. Come to find out the thing that we were told that we should be eating happened to be the worst thing for us and was, you know, a, a leading cause of heart disease. So I think, you know, re recent studies and, you know, and research and, you know, probably even some that are not so recent have really shown us that that wasn't the case. Um, so I think the fact that, um, you know, but, you know, we've been told this for so long and this went on for so long. Um, I mean, really, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that trans fats were, were banned. Um, you know, you can't even, right. um, you can't even, you know, um, you know, produce artificial trans fats anymore. Um, so, you know, I think it's just this this thing that we've been told since we were little, and I think it's it's kind of the process of breaking people from that mindset. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, one of the parts of the survey talks about, uh, you know, parents, right? About, you know, yeah. um, sometimes, you know, people who are parents tend to, and, and, I, and I'm a parent of, of two young children that are about three and a half, and, you know, I can say that when you're doing research and you, and you start looking at these things, um, you, know, you know, when it comes to kids, right, like you want to make sure that you're giving them, you know, top quality ingredients, less preservatives, less processed foods, things of that sort. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that it's gained popularity is people are realizing that these are natural products. Um, before, one of the questions that you had asked me was, you know, how, you know, what are animal fats and how are they made? And we like to kind of, you know, kind of keep it as so simple. If we take fat from a pig or we take fat from, um, from beef and we just add heat to it, what renders is tallow and lard. Now, of course, you know, maybe for manufacturing purposes, there's, you know, further processing as far as like, you know, taking out impurities and things like that. But those are all done, you know, you know, essentially, you know, naturally and sustainably um, compared to, uh, you know, you know, if you take corn and you squeeze corn, you don't get corn oil, you get corn juice. So you got to think, like, what do we have to do to those products in order to create something that it doesn't naturally make? So, you know, when I, when I, say, when I say, you know, what are animal fats, I mean, that's what they are. They are the rendered fat from the animal, and it really is that straightforward. Now, what 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 would Jack Spratt think of it? Do you think? <laughs> what was that? What did, what what did, what did Jack Spratt think of it? Jack Spratt would eat no fat. His wife would eat no lean. And so betwixt the two of them, they they, they consumed the, the whole animal. I've forgotten. I've forgotten the I forgotten the last part of the. They look the platter clean. <laughs> yep. Now, when you when you send out the results of the survey, which presumably you do, do you think people are suspicious? Um. And don't, don't, no. Don't don't trust you because you deal in animal fat. Well, I mean, I suppose there's there's always that, but I mean, you know, when you're looking at the percentages, it's not like we're talking about, you know, um, you know, eighty, you know, ninety five percent, you know, people prefer animal fats. It's not, you know, I think the the numbers are realistic, and I think if you were looking at the numbers of our survey, um, you know, I think they are, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, you know, I I think the idea is to show kind of upward trend that people are starting to use them more often, that they are, you know, comfortable and, and often even, you know, now prefer using animal fats. But it doesn't mean that it's still <laughs> the majority, if that makes sense. So I think by looking at, you know, some of the results of the survey, I, I don't think they're, um, you know, I think they, they, they seem reasonable, if that makes sense. 
Oh, you, you're, talk, you're, you're responding to a, to a guy who sa- saves every little bit of bacon grease he can lay his hands on. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> you got, your, you got your glass mason jar, your empty coffee can next to the stove. That's right. Well, my 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 mother used to do exactly that. She she she. So did mine. She had she had the, yeah. she had the fat she had the fat from last week's roast to make the Yorkshire pudding yep. for this week's roast. And and that, absolutely. And, and 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 it wasn't refrigerated. And no. Anywhere well, in yeah, the, it, anywhere in the process. Yeah, I mean that's you know really it's uh, it's more of like a of a cold uh, like a dry storage kind of item you know it doesn't really um, you know need to be refrigerated. Well, you no, can, we, we, can. we used to get we used to get uh, bread bread with animal fat spread all over it. And just yeah, just kind of spread it on there like lardo or <laughs> yeah, like it was, butter. It was called animal butter. That's right, called, well, my mother called it dripping, <laughs> and the, the dripping, the dripping just kept on going, and it just kept yeah. on going. And that, and, and that's, and that's it, right? So, so you know, maybe say drippings are kind of like the, you know, the 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 most basic form of of tallow, or you know, from from you know making your Yorkshire pudding, right? You make your roast, you have all those drippings, that 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 fat, and you put it in your your tins, and you add your dough and your batter and you put it in the oven and you know it it you know other than if you didn't have those drippings if you didn't have that animal fat you know that yorkshire pudding would be bland so you you need that you also you also might might find it you're eating very dull <laughs> my, well, my, 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 i mean my mother would say if i got, got, got home from school and i was hungry she'd say how about some bread and dripping and I, yeah. and, I, <laughs> and I swallowed it up like a, like like the right kind of guy. Yeah. Now, now and 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 asked earlier on the, about the boundaries of of fats. Like, is olive oil a fat or not? Do you have any? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, is is olive oil a fat? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, and the, the answer obviously is it's not from an animal, so it's not a fat. But well, yeah, it's, but it's a, but it's a but it's a fat of great interest to any blood. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would categorize. There's you know, like you know, fats are you know fats, um, but maybe not. Uh, maybe that maybe you could say that right. Like all you know, all fats are fats, but maybe not all fats are oils. And I think that's probably like the biggest difference would be, you know, I wouldn't consider, you know, animal fat, lard or, or tallow to be an oil, right? Um, but, you know, o- but the oils like olive oil and coconut oil and avocado oil and canola oil, those are all, you know, those are all fats. They're just, they fall into the oil category. I think the biggest thing there would be that, you know, most, um, you know, fats like that, like animal fats, they're going to be, um, they're usually solid at room temperature, and that usually has mm-hmm. to do with the fact that they're higher in saturated fat. So you're talking, that's why when you go get a jar of coconut oil, um, you know, it's it's solid at room temperature, same with lard, same with beef tallow, it would, it would even be the same with, you know, schmaltz or duck fat or anything like that as well. Where, you know, oils, right, they, they are not um, solid at room temperature. Right, now, did oh, you okay. include things like duck fat in your survey? What's that? Uh, I, you know, I think the survey primar- primarily focuses around lard and, uh, and tallow. Because uh-huh. that's what you sell. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worded, you know, as animal fat like lard and, and, and tallow is kind of the way that it's worded. Mm-hmm. No, so, I mean, I don't think that, that um, it's surprising that people concluded that animal fat delivers flavor because it's very obvious if you're open-minded. But were you a little surprised about the distribution of, like, by gender or age group or whatever? You know, not not really. Um, You know, I mean, I suppose... You know, specifically, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about age group, right? So, you know, I think with the age group, you know, when we got into, 
um, you know, maybe those people who were maybe above a certain age, um, you know, I think the number kind of increased a little bit sometimes. Um, and so I think a big part of that was maybe that was more part of, like, their family tradition. You know, maybe they were used okay. to watching their grandmother use it um, in a recipe or when they were, you know, growing, growing up cooking in the kitchen. You know, that was kind of part of it. So I think, you know, I think because of that, there's, like, some more familiarity with it. Um, uh-huh. You but, know. Uh, but what about, I mean, what a strange difference between women and and men in terms of... Yeah. What is, tell me about that. Why? You know, you know I, I, I probably couldn't sit there and, you know, I don't want to, you know... <laughs> I guess that's kind of a... Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want to sit there and say, well, you know, men like steaks more than, you know, women or female or, or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose, you know from the people that I know, right, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I, I would say that, you know, m- maybe there's a, a tendency for, for, you know, males or men to, you know, to prefer eating meat more often. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, perhaps there's, there's a correlation there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's just a little bit more comfort in that um, because, you know, the maybe – you know, I, you know, it'd be interesting too to even see like a study that maybe that would be like a follow-up to this of, you know, what are the percentages of, you know, men versus you know women that consume you know red meat or poor products and things like that because you might yeah. find there's a correlation between that higher percentage of men versus women related to that too and I would imagine there's some sort of a, you know, a, 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 you know those lines would probably run pretty parallel to one another, I would think. How about how about ethnicity? I mean, do, do the French eat more fat? Do do <clears throat> poor people eat more? Yeah. more fat. Than I mean, fat? I, I mean, I I think you know, for example, like I'll say, you know, um, you know, especially you know, being on the on the West Coast, right? Like we have a, a pretty strong you know Hispanic influence, and you know, lard specifically, lard has a huge, huge, huge place in in that you know their in their culture in their cuisine. Um, you know, you know, whether it be through tamales or tortillas or refried beans or carnitas or chicharrones, I mean, it's just part of their culture. So I do think, you know, depending on the region that you might be from, um, you know, if you're from the south, you know, maybe you're more likely to find you know, that grandma's pie recipe or biscuits had lard instead of, you know, vegetable shortening or, or oil. Um, you know, perhaps if you're in France, you know, maybe, you know, a different kind of animal fat would be maybe more butter being used, you know. So I, I think there are definitely, you know, tendencies, um, you know, depending on, you know, you know, ethnicity based, you know, you know, part being part of culture, as, as well as, you know, kind of um, geographic location as well. I think there probably absolutely is a difference. And, 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 and that, that did show true, at least as far as like, um, you know, in the Hispanic communities that um, that they're more, you know, I think they're more, you know, they, they it, you know, they use, they're more familiar with them. They've used them, you know, it, it's part of their culture. It's part of their cuisine. And I think there's a comfort in that as well. You know, I mean, in fact, we, we, we did a, uh, um, in, in L.A., there's a, uh, a, a tortilla tournament called uh, uh, Gustavo's tortilla tournament and it uh, happens every single year and all the you know comes from the best uh, you know restaurants and tortilla makers in the Los Angeles area they you know enter their their um, their tortillas and there's a, both a corn category and a and a flour category and of course flour tortillas traditionally are made with lard and you know when we got to the the finalists of of that category, particularly the flour the flour category, they all used lard in their tortillas. So I I think it's it's a very you know important staple, and I think it just shows that it does add you know that added level of complexity and flavor uh, that people like. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that don't throw away the the concept that women are probably more sensitive to um, packing on extra calories and probably some of the um, 
the hype about how fat is fattening probably lingers longer in, in women than in men that never fully accepted it anyhow. And that makes yep. factor it in, I think. Yeah. I think you very well could be true. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, there's just, you know, um, you know, there's, you know, all, you know, there's unsaturated fats, there's saturated fats, there's mono, there's mono saturated, mono unsaturated fats. So there's different types of fat. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're absolutely probably hit the nail right on the head on that one. Right. Now, do you think that the results of this survey, I mean, have you broadly publicized the results? Um, yeah, I mean, we have it posted on our, you know, on our, um, you know, website and on our media links. So, you know, th- you know, I guess you could say that, you know, um, you know, through our sources, um, you know, our kind of, uh, you know, demographic of followers, we definitely have it available to them. Do you think it's going to change any opinions or any uh, approaches to preparation, cooking, diet? Um, through the through the survey. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you know, I think you know, as people be, you know, as more people come on board, I think people start like you know, maybe scratching their heads and saying, hey, there's something to this. And I think it kind of entices people to kind of look down the, that path themselves and kind of, you know, and, and that's what I would suggest to anybody is, you know, I can sit here and tell you, you know, why you should do something. But, I mean, you know, there's so much information available at our fingertips these days, you know, through, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the Internet. And um, I just say, you know, go and, and take a look. But I think when people see these kinds of results and they see these upward trends, um, I think it, it, you know, pushes people to kind of do their own research. And I think once they've done their research, you know, they realize, hey, you know, maybe I should be using more of this kind of product. Maybe I should be using more animal fats in my cooking for, for many reasons. And flavor is definitely a, a big part of that, um, as well as other benefits. Um, and, you know, maybe rely a lot less on, you know, a lot of these other, you know, processed fats that are out there. Processed oil. Yeah, no. So I is think it, that's... There's one part of, of your survey results that I think is really incorrect. I don't think that it is as easy cooking with animal fats as with some of the other fats, like um, different oils and stuff. I mean, I think you have to know what you're doing when you're using animal fats because of the smoke point and, and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it depends on on what you're doing. Um, you know, I think if you're using, say, you know, like let's say I was making a pie crust, and you know, lard does make the best flakiest pie crust. It absolutely yeah. does. Um, and you know, let's say, you know, you're, you know, going to do that, and you're, you know, you're used to using a, a vegetable shortening or, or butter. Uh, and there's recipes out there that do a combination of both. I mean, I've done recipes that contain both butter and right. and lard as well. And, you know, I think for things like that, like the application can be very, very similar. Um, you know, animal fats like tallow can also be really great for, like, sautéing. I mean, there's some people that love to get a really hot cast iron skillet and maybe sear a steak over, oh, the, yeah. over, over, over the stove. And, you know, if you think about it, like, why why not just put a tablespoon of, of tallow in that hot pan instead of oil. And, and in fact, the, the smoke point is higher on tallow than it is on a lot of the oils. So, oh, I didn't um, know that. It actually, it, actually, it actually performs better. Yeah, tallow has an extremely high smoke point. In fact, it's, all, it's one of its you know, biggest commercial applications is in the deep fryer for tallow. Right, right. Right. So, uh, you know, sure, you could buy a jar of it, you know, at your maybe local health food store, and, and it's great for, you know, searing your steak or maybe sauteing your Brussels sprouts or some veggies and going to add a lot of great <laughs> things to it. But but it actually does have an incredibly high smoke point. Lard is as well. It's just not quite as high, not quite as durable. Um, there's a lot of, you know, Hispanic, Mexican restaurants um, that, you know, have their, their deep fryers filled with uh, – filled with lard, and that's what their tortilla chips and their taquitos and, and, you know, saltas and all that stuff, it's all being fried in lard. So these products do have great high smoke temperatures, and they they even hold up in deep fryers. And and, and often that's what they're used for. My my neighborhood local 
fish and chip shops all over England use use tallow to fry. Yeah, I, I, I believe, but maybe I'm wrong. My memory's spoiling me. But McDonald's also uses tallow to make their French fries so crispy. They they did. They did, oh, they did for a very very but not very now. long time. Yeah, when they when the fries were 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 really good. That's that's what they used. <laughs> they, um, yeah. back and, in the and day. In fact, and in fact, I believe they added a, like a like a beef flavoring to their um, their oil that they use now um, just to replicate. I mean, from what I understand, I mean, you know, I don't I don't work for McDonald's, but from what I understand, just to try to duplicate that that flavor profile that they were so yeah. um, well known for. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting because you know these fats. I mean, they can be using anything from deep frying to sautéing to you know to even say like if you're making carnitas, you know, we can say it's kind of confit. So you know, you know, if you're making duck confit, that's being cooked in, in duck fat. So, right. You know, you know, pie. You know, everything from savory to to sweet. And you know, it's interesting yeah. because they really do add a layer of complexity. But you know, if you're making a pie crust with lard, it doesn't mean that you're you know, your pie crust is going to come out tasting like, like bacon. I mean, maybe if you p- use bacon grease, it will, because it's got that distinct smoked uh, flavor profile to it. But, um, you know, I mean, they really just kind of add layers of complexity to food. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the term that I like to use, is they, make, they add layers of complexity. So as a chef, if I add salt to a dish at the very end, it's going to seem very, you know, one-layered, of seasoning, but if right. maybe I'm seasoning as I go along, I, I'm building on it, and so I think right. that's kind of what you know, cooking animal fats has the ability to do. Um, I think it, it just adds complexity, and um, yeah, and and it's it, what's interesting too is I've actually done this test, and I've done it so many times where I go to a a restaurant, and you know, we set up a deep fryer with with beef tallow, and we set up a um, you know, maybe we test versus like a, a an oil, like a soybean oil or cottonseed oil yeah. or canola oil, something like that. And yeah. the yeah. food canola. actually comes out, it actually comes out drier and less mm-hmm. oily and less greasy out of animal fat. You can, you, you eat a French fry after cooking in both of them. And if you look at your fingers after eating a French fry cooked yeah, in oil, yeah. you'll you'll visually see the oil, the residue left on your fingers. You'll do the same thing with tallow and nothing. Um, so there's a lot less absorption into, because of the saturated fat, there's a lot, of, a lot less fat that's being absorbed into the product that you're actually eating, and it's staying in the fryer. So, right. you know, again, it's, you know, there's, you know, all these kind of really interesting little facts about, about cooking with it that are, that are just great. Well, well, well you I'm, sure I'm know with, yourself, Greg. But, uh, yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'm with Mrs. Spratt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I don't did care you, what they say. Did you guys? Uh, I know we, we we gave you guys a little bit of product. Did you guys have a chance to try it? Yourself? Yes, indeed. It's. I mean, I've we're, cooked we're with it with, before. We're still with Mrs. Spratt. <laughs> no, it's. I think you have it backwards, rabbit. <laughs> Jack Spratt would eat no would fat. Eat no fat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. You do have it right. I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, Before we go, Greg, um, is there some place, since you're advising people to do their own research, is there some um, place where listeners can go and read the results of the survey? Um, You know, if you go to Coast Packing's website, it should be on there, which would just be coastpacking.com. Coast packing. Okay, I got it. That would be probably it. my first, my first uh, place. Okay. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's on there, but another great resource for looking up um, about, you know, healthy, um, you know, sustainable fats would be the uh, Healthy Fats Coalition as well. And that should healthy. just be the healthy, healthyfatscoalition.org. But I would healthy first check... Um, and that's going to have a lot of great information about, you know, a little bit more information about, you know, healthy fats and animal fats in general. Um, but I would say for re- results for the survey, um, go to coastpacking.com and, and check and out healthy our website. Fat, all that. Oh. Co- healthy fat, singular or plural, coalition.org. Uh, it should be uh, plural. 
plural. Okay, got it. Thank you again, uh, and it's been very enlightening, and um, I think it's an important thing to, to talk about. So thank you for talking to us about it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me today. Okay, great. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.